want to thank you for joining us today on Meeting with God. Meeting with God is the radio outreach of Vertical Church in Columbus. We're in the beginning of a series called Thriving in an Upside Down World. And today we're going to listen to the first part of a message called Ambassadors for Christ. Let's open our Bibles to 2 Corinthians chapter 5. Well, let's go to prayer as we think about 10 years and what God has done. Uh, I'm just so grateful for the opportunity to serve alongside so many of you. I think of all the memories, some of those memories, some of the other memories. Let's go before the Lord and just thank him as we go into the text tonight. Father, we thank you tonight for your grace. Lord, we thank you for all that you have done. Lord, as Aaron said, the ups and the downs, the so many different things have happened over the last 10 years, and your faithfulness has been the common thread through everything. Father, I thank you for uh, just even the possibility of a church at 10 years ago, wondering if you would even do something, and now to see how you have impacted lives, how you have helped us and enabled us to make disciples, to grow personally as disciples, Lord, to be a part of planting churches, to be a part of friendships, fun moments, painful moments, grieving together, rejoicing together, but most of all, the opportunity to come together and worship your son, Jesus Christ. Lord, I thank you for that. Lord, I pray as we look ahead to the next 10 years, Lord, would these next 10 years build on what you've already done. Lord, would our hearts long to see your kingdom advanced, your kingdom come even in this season to work through us, to reach those around us, to love them with the love of Christ, and to live out the gospel each day, each week. We thank you for all that you've done, and we, our eyes are on you for what comes next. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, you know, as we go through a season like this where uh, you start thinking back and looking back, uh, there's a time for reassessing. And sometimes we go past a mile marker in life. It's a time to look back and say, you know, are we on mission? Are we going where we want to be going, where God wants us to be going? And sometimes as we reassess our identity and our purpose, are we on purpose? Are we embracing the identity that God has for our church, for our lives? It gets us to a time of reflection. You know, when it comes to your identity, I'm talking to us as individuals now, as we're thinking about our identity in following Jesus Christ, I want to ask you a question. What do you consider to be your kingdom, your kingdom of Jesus Christ identity? How do you think of that? How do you, what terms do you think in? Let me give you a couple of options. Do you think of yourself as a kingdom attendee or a kingdom member or a kingdom investor or perhaps a kingdom connoisseur or kingdom critic, a kingdom seeker or sojourner or a kingdom ambassador, a kingdom consumer or a kingdom servant? Now, I could go on and on with more potential identities that you could connect with. Some of these identities are based on living with pride. Some of these identities are based on living with humility. But in the end, we need to ask ourselves, are we living with the identity as followers of Jesus Christ? Are we living with the missional identity that he's called us to live with? You know, as I've been thinking about this last year, I don't know 
I don't even, I don't think 2020 even has categories to be put into. I think, I hope that 10 years from now we look back and every time we have something go wrong in the world, we say, that's a 2020 moment. That's what we hope, right? But you know, being a Christian with a Christian worldview and a Christian culture is getting increasingly uncomfortable in our society or our broader culture. I've been thinking about that. I've been reading a book on that. I've been processing what does God want our church to be for the next 10 years? And as our culture continues to shift, how do we process that? How does God want us to live in light of the present setting? Just for context, for the last, you could say, 1,700 years, Western civilization, Europe, then eventually North America, has lived in what I'll call the Christendom mentality. But obviously, we're watching day by day, that is beginning to wash out. The Christendom mentality, though, lost its sense of urgency and its identity as ambassadors of Jesus Christ. If you go back and read church history, you can see how the early Christians, those who followed Jesus in the Roman Empire that were the recipients of the ministries of Paul and John, they spread out and shared the gospel in a very difficult setting and reached the gospel with the good news of Jesus Christ. But then as the church took over and then became legalized and then from that point on, Europe was increasingly Christian. And through that time, the Christian individual's identity as an ambassador began to become harder to identify with because we weren't coming into a foreign culture. We were the culture, if you will. And sadly, predominance often begets missional complacency, missional ambiguity. But thankfully or not, The cultural dominance has changed in the Western world, Europe, and the United States. As modernism, then postmodernism have changed the landscape. I think we see on a daily basis, if you watch the news or you're on Twitter or on Facebook or other places, we are washed over and drowned in this sense of there's a shift going on underneath our feet and how are we to respond to that? Are we to be afraid? Are we to be excited? Are we to, what are we to do as followers of Jesus Christ? We look at a culture that is increasingly not gentle, not tolerant in a, in a biblical sense, not gracious, not committed to absolute truth, rather replacing it with relativism. It's amazing how people are, in our culture, embrace relative truth and then are relatively unhappy with everybody else's relative truth, right? Relativism, relativism. But when we think about our identity as Christians and who we are, and as I'm raising my kids and thinking about the world, they will engage. It leaves me thinking not only how is the church going to thrive, but I think some of us, if we're honest, would begin to say, will we even survive? How will the church handle this shift in the culture underneath us? Is survival our only option? Is it? Well, I believe differently, and as we move forward into the second decade that God has given us as a church, I believe that God wants to use us as a Christ-centered community, not as culture warriors, not as culture adapters, but as ambassadors of Jesus Christ 
right here where God has planted us. I'm going to ask you to turn your Bible if you have a copy of God's Word. Turn to 2 Corinthians chapter 5 and verse 17. Chapter 5, it's one of my favorite passages in all of Scripture. It says, therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he or she is a new creation. The old is passed away. Behold, the new has come. All this is from God who through Christ reconciled us to himself and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. That is, in Christ, God was reconciling the world to himself, not counting their trespasses against them, and entrusting to us the message of reconciliation. Therefore, we are ambassadors for Christ. God making his appeal through us, we implore you on behalf of Christ, be reconciled to God. Now, obviously, there was a bit of a crisis in Corinth, and uh, it was one of those crises we all dread, the one of the crises where it's not going to be solved in one letter or one meeting or one thing. It's going to take a lot of work and a third letter and another trip to get it resolved. That's what Paul was dealing with here in Corinth. But I want us to focus on how Paul is identifying himself within the ministry of the gospel. And not only him, but those who are with him, Timothy, others. Paul identifies as an ambassador of Jesus Christ. And when we think about this concept of the future, thriving, how do we thrive in an upside-down culture? How do we thrive? How do we live? How do we help others embrace the good news of Jesus Christ? How do we prepare our children to thrive? Well, I believe it comes by embracing this identity as not only a Christ follower, but an ambassador for Jesus Christ. Now think with me for a moment of what it means to be an ambassador. If you're an ambassador, you're sent as a representative. You're sent as a representative with a message to a foreign location in order to hopefully improve relations. Hi, this is Pastor Luke Aarons from Vertical Church Columbus. Did you know that these Meeting with God messages actually come from sermons given at our church home, Vertical Church Columbus? You know, in addition to hearing God's word proclaimed every week, you'll find a warm, loving church family of authentic followers of Jesus Christ. If you live in Columbus, Ohio, but are not currently connected to a church home, we'd love to invite you to visit us at 1290 Old Henderson Road in Columbus near the intersection of 315 and Henderson Road. I want to read to you something by a man named Garland. He was writing about uh, the time that Paul is obviously writing in. He's writing uh, what Roman ambassadorship or ambassadorship during Roman times was like. He writes this, in the era when Paul writes... The Roman emperor who sent out decrees affecting everyone in the world did not send ambassadors to a city or a province to negotiate. Instead, he sent governors to rule those who were already subjected or armies to crush any resistance. Consequently, ambassadors from these conquered realms streamed into Rome. Speaking of one man in particular, Augustus, you can see a picture of him here. Augustus boasts of all the ambassadors who came to him from the remote fringes of the empire and beyond. He writes this, royal embassies from India, never previously seen before by any Roman general, were often sent to me. 
Our friendship was sought through ambassadors by the Mastarians, the Scythians, and the kings of the Sumatians who live on both sides of the Don River. If you don't know where the Don River is, that's in Russia. So think about how far that is from the Roman Empire. And the kings of the Albanians and the Iberians and the Medes. This man then makes an interesting contrast. He says, from this boast by Augustus, we can see a notable contrast between God and the emperor Augustus. An all-powerful God does not wait for humanity to make their appeals to him, but sends out his ambassadors to make appeals to humanity. Now, when I just said that, you're seeing the picture of what Paul had as his identity. Paul's identity was to come under the authority and the message of the gospel of Jesus Christ and to go out as a, as a representative to a fallen humanity to talk about God's reconciling plan. Now, that's amazing when you think about it. Here is God, so far greater than Caesar Augustus, so far greater than any ruler, certainly we should be the ones coming to him on our knees, begging for mercy, begging for grace, and yet it is him, it is God himself who sends ambassadors to us. You know, I was thinking about this on a personal level. What does it mean for us to be ambassadors of Jesus Christ? You ever thought about that? I mean, we know that in a general sense. Okay, I'm an ambassador. I, I'm, I'm supposed to represent Jesus Christ. Well, I had kind of a practical moment this week where I was writing a sermon about ambassadorship while I was also having this experience. So I was in Starbucks, and that's kind of where I've been working most of the time now. I'm drinking my coffee, and there's a couple people kind of sitting talking in the Starbucks. And, and then one of the, the employees of Starbucks comes over and says to us, um, you got to put your mask on. I know you all are hating masks right now, and I'm just enjoying the fact that you have a mask and I don't. Um, no, I appreciate you wearing that because that's part of what we're asked to do right now, and there's reasons for that, and we're loving one another by doing it. But anyways, I was sitting in Starbucks. I was more than six feet away from any living human being. And as I'm sitting there, she says, and she says, no, you need to put your mask on. I'm like, well, I'm drinking a coffee. That's why I'm here. And then she just, no, but you need to put your mask on. And I started to go, so what you're saying is that in between sips of coffee, I need to have my mask on. Well, isn't like this is like a restaurant where you can take, she's like, no, sir, you need to have your, now at that moment, right as I was about to discern what I was going to say next, it happened to dawn on me that I had my vertical church sweatshirt on. And I realized at that moment, my tone, no matter what I said, the words, the tone, the tact I did or didn't have was not representing me now. I was representing someone else. And I don't know if she's a believer or not. I have no idea. But she was going to have thoughts about churches and those in churches and ultimately the Savior who, who leads the church based on what I did in the next few seconds. You see, sometimes we need to realize that ambassadorship isn't a theory. It's something we do every day, every moment of every day. Ambassadors aren't just about messages being delivered. They're representatives of a greater leader or some authority. They are simply representatives now, let's talk about that a little bit more here. What does it mean to be a representative? I want to look at three questions that we can think about and process as we're thinking about, am I the type of representative that God wants me to be? Look back at verse 14. I love Paul's spirit. This is the spirit that God wants us to have. He says in verse 14, for the love of Christ controls us. 
because we have concluded this, that one has died for all, that's Jesus Christ, therefore all have died. And he died for all that those who live might no longer live for themselves, but for him who for their sake died and was raised. I love what it says there. He says that because Jesus Christ has died for us and we live through him, he says that those who live might no longer live for themselves, but for him who for their sake died and was raised. You see, because Jesus died and was raised and we identify with him, we are in Christ spiritually It's no longer us just living our lives the way we want to keep ourselves happy. Now we live for him. He is the one that controls us. Our every move represents him. Here's the first question I want to ask you. Have you embraced your exciting identity? You see, this embracing this identity means that we no longer live for ourselves. I don't live for myself. I live for Jesus Christ. You don't live for yourself. You live for Jesus Christ. It's more than just a role. I'm an ambassador. An ambassador would think of himself in a role. But Jesus Christ calls us to an identity as a child of God, as an ambassador for Jesus Christ. What does it mean to have an identity? You know, most of us would think of ourselves as Christians. Somebody asked you, what's your biggest identity? Most of us would say, I'm a Christian. Then we'd quickly say, I'm a Buckeye fan. Most of you would. Because that's such a big thing in our culture. But I want you to think just for a moment about your identity as a Christian. Sometimes we stop there. I'm just a Christian. I'm here. I'm a Christian. I go to church as a Christian. I am maybe in small group as a Christian. I live as a Christian. I'm generally a Christian at home. I generally do Christian things. I generally parent Christian. I, I guess I'm a Christian. I Try to live like a Christian. I want to ask you to take that up a level over the next few weeks. The next few weeks, we're going to be talking about what does it mean to be an ambassador? Because I believe that God wants us to embrace an identity as an ambassador of Jesus Christ. I'm not just here going through life, hoping I don't have too bad of a life so that I can get to heaven where it gets really good. Listen, listen. God wants you to have so much more of a fulfilling life by embracing what it means to be an ambassador. Look with me at verse 18 and verse 19. The end of verse 18, it says, this is all from God, scooting ahead. It says, who gave us the ministry of reconciliation. Then verse 19, entrusting to us the message of reconciliation. Listen, I want you to know this. God has given you, God has given you a ministry and a message that he wants you to to take to this world. He wants you to represent. It's got to be personal. It's got to be your identity. It's not just one of those things we do. It is who we are. Have you embraced your exciting identity? We know the purpose of an ambassador is to communicate and represent someone effectively. I don't know if you've ever been in a foreign setting I've enjoyed being in a foreign setting a few times, and, you know, they say that nonverbals are, what, 90% of our communication? That's true until you're in Germany. Because then when you need to find something so basic as a restroom or a restaurant or something else, suddenly you realize that no matter how many pointing things you do and how much in-tone inflection and all this, it doesn't really help much at all. 
So how do we make sure that we're ambassadors that are able to communicate well? Keep in mind, ambassadors, we're always going somewhere foreign. How do we make sure that when we're communicating, we're communicating in a way that people can embrace the message? I'm so blessed that we celebrate every week this amazing message of reconciliation. Have you ever thought about how different your life would be if there was no reconciliation with God through Christ? Do you know what your existence would be like if there was no peace with God through Jesus Christ? I want to talk just for a moment about this message of reconciliation. There's really five aspects that I want to share right here from the text. I love how Paul fleshes out the message of reconciliation. Look at the text. First, God's initiative. Notice that it says all this is from God. Your being reconciled to God has nothing to do with you. If God had not initiated contact with you, if he had not done something first, there would be no discussion about reconciliation. The beauty of the gospel is that God himself has initiated reconciliation with you. He found you. He looked for you. He made you, and he wants you to be reconciled. He came for you. Then second of all, The cross of Jesus Christ, one of the most amazing verses in Scripture. Look ahead at verse 21. It says, For our sake, he, God, made him, Jesus, to be sin who knew no sin, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. That's called the great exchange. God took Jesus, sent him to earth. Jesus lived a perfect life, and God put on him the penalty that you and I both deserve. And in exchange, he put the righteousness and reward of that onto us, Christ's cross. But here's the third thing I want you to see right here in the text that's utterly amazing, and I hope it will shake up your day. If you look back at the text, verse 19, it says, that is, in Christ, God was reconciling the world to himself. Then get this, not counting their trespasses against them. Wait, wait, what? Not counting their trespasses against them. I want you to think about that. Like, not counting. Listen, when we think about the gospel, we not only think about God's initiative, not only about Christ's cross, but God's counting skills and choices. And I want you to imagine for a moment, you know, I don't know when you pay your credit card bill, but I'm the one that pays the credit card bills in our family. I know at a certain time in the month, I got to go in and I got to pay for the credit card bill. Now, how crazy would it be if you went, whoever you in the family that you know, you know who you are, and you go in and you log in and you're ready to pay the credit card bill and you're like, wait, wait, the the balance is zero. Hey, honey, did you stop buying food? I know that didn't happen in our family because we eat a lot of food. I'll just put it that way. Hey, honey, did you, did you pay the credit card bill? Uh, no. So you look a little deeper. You're like, that can't be right. Do we win some sort of sweepstakes where you get like free credit card for a year or something? And then you look deeper and you're like, well, I don't know, I'll have to figure that out later. And you go to pay your mortgage and there's a zero balance. And now you got to get on the phone. Somebody's hacked my stuff. My house probably belongs to somebody else now. And you go in and you call the mortgage company and they say, no, sorry, sir, someone just, it's your house. We don't have anything to do with that anymore. And you're like, this, this is nuts. But before I finish this, I'm going to pay off my school student loans. I better check on that too. I bet they messed that up too. 
You see, that's what it's like when the grace of God, the reconciliation of God comes into your life and it says that God no longer counts our trespasses against us. Most of us would say, well, that would be the most amazing day in all of my life. I would, all these debts paid off. I'm debt free. I, I got a house is paid off and the school is paid off and, and the credit card is paid off. And then you find another note in there somewhere that says, not only is your credit card paid off, it's perpetually getting paid off by someone else. But you know, when it comes to our relationship with God, one of the most amazing things is that we are ambassadors of a message of a God who no longer counts things against us. And though all that day would be awesome to find everything paid off, there's an even greater day. When you embrace Jesus Christ by faith, all the debts counted against you are no longer there. Your sin is covered. It is on Jesus Christ. You no longer are, there's nothing to pay. And it doesn't matter even when you mess up beyond there because that goes on the tab too. Here's the thing I want to ask you to do. I want to ask you to marinate in that. Thank you so much for listening to Meeting with God, the radio ministry of Vertical Church in Columbus, Ohio, located at 1290 Old Henderson Road. Vertical Church is not only passionate about the preaching of God's Word, but also praying for God to work in the lives of those in our church, our city, and our world. If you have a prayer request, we would love to pray for you. Please take a moment and head to our website, verticalchurch.life, and visit our prayer wall. There you can leave a prayer request, either publicly or anonymously, and you can know that Vertical Church will be praying for you. As always, we hope to find you here tomorrow at this very same time for your meeting with God. Meeting with God is the teaching ministry of Vertical Church Columbus. For more information, go to verticalchurch.life.